All right. Well, look, we'll try and keep this to um, half an hour. And, um, but, you know, if you get bored and want to walk out earlier, then uh, so be it. Um, yes. So, okay. No, I'll, I'll perch here, I think. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, we haven't a clue what um, people's needs or whether you want input from us or whether you want to discuss, whether you come with all sorts of things you want to, to share. So we're going to do some input and we'll have some discussion. We'll spend our half an hour that way and we'll try and wind up in half an hour because obviously one could go on end us in if you need to leave beforehand then, then do so. Let's start with a prayer, can we? Father, you know the burdens we carry in our hearts. You know the prayers that we've prayed over the years which are unresolved and there is no easy solution to them. We pray, Father, you'd give us insight and wisdom as to how we handle our prayers, not least those prayers that are such ongoing realities for us. So help us now to find light in your word, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So I'm going to open up with a couple of uh, basic principles, um, and then Peter's going to explore it a little further. And a good place to start is in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, you will remember, I mean, Luke puts it a bit differently from Matthew. In Luke, um, they come to Jesus and teach us to pray. Uh, In Matthew, he puts it into the Sermon on the Mount. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Um, And the picture that should come to our mind is of the enormous number of pagan religions there were in the Roman Empire, all with their gods and their, their Greek gods and Egyptian gods and Persian gods, and each home would have a, a shrine and endless sort of prayers and sacrifices that they would make to these gods. So don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And he gives us these opening statements of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. It's almost half of the the Lord's Prayer uh, comes with that emphasis. So we come to God not as slaves to a cruel master or employees to a reluctant and distant employer or as the uh, liberal theologians would have it we come to the ground of our being whatever that means. Uh, We come in repentant faith Forgive us our sins is right there in the center of that prayer. Uh, As children to a loving, good, and all-wise parent uh, to be... Oh, hello, we need some more chairs. We've got the late arrivals come. Williams, would you be on for chairs? (laughs) 
So this business of coming to our Father, this word Abba uh, that we know about is the Aramaic word, which is why it doesn't come in the New Testament very much, because the New Testament, as we have it, is in Greek. And it's not at all clear whether Abba was the word that Jesus generally used, but the assumption is that that is what he's saying. It is this family name, Abba, which um, occurs... Uh, erupts into the Greek New Testament in uh, Mark's account of Gethsemane. He cries, Abba, uh, Father. Uh, and Paul takes up, both in Romans and in Galatians, that we cry to God, Abba. We come to him as our Father. I think the phrase uh, is most accurate thing, our Father in the heavens. Now, some of you will know about the Rotas Square which uh, I find particularly illustrative of of these issues. Um, This square has been found all over Europe. It's been found in Ethiopia. It's been found in um, Syria. And uh, people completely lost track of what this meant, where it came from, and all the rest of it. And uh, it it did seem to be associated with Christian centres where it was found. Um, So there's one built into the wall of Siena Cathedral, and uh, etc. Um, but, but what do they mean? How, how are we to begin to... Un- Sorry, can you manage? Sorry. Um, and it's, uh, it's clearly a Latin puzzle. Um, rotas, opera, tenet, aripo, sator. Aripo doesn't mean anything in Latin. The other words have meanings, but it doesn't make, a, doesn't make any coherent sense. Uh, you've got wheels and holds and work and a sewer, possibly. Um, anyway, the only uh, way of explaining this that's ever been put forward that makes sense uh, is... Sorry, this is just to show where this, uh, this original one was found. It was found on, on, on a column in which was destroyed in 62 AD in the earthquake in Pompeii. And it was written on, it was etched in charcoal on the plaster, one of these columns. And so it was thought to have been written there but before 62 AD. It was also found, a similar one was found on this house, which was the home of a baker. And this particular home is well known and uh, quite famous as the most uh, the only portrait that's come out of Pompeii, these two people. They had it on their doorpost. Uh, and the possibility is that they were Jews, and uh, there's this Jewish tradition from Deuteronomy 6 to write your faith on your doorpost. And, um, but, but it's found lots of other places. One in Sirencester there dates. This is probably the earliest evidence of Christianity in Britain, if this is indeed a Christian symbol. And it's there in the museum in Sirencester. But that's the way it breaks out. And that's the only interpretation that anyone's put forward that is remotely credible, that is paternoster. Uh, there's only one inn in the square, right in the centre of the square. And therefore, in the centre of the cross. Uh, and this central end then becomes the focus um, 
and, and people often wondered what the significance of it is. It, using a single letter in Latin is quite common, Latin inscriptions. And whether it was in the mind of the fellow who originated this palindrome of words, um, it almost certainly was in the people who then used it. Uh, for this, because at the end it becomes quite an intriguing uh, central focus. And of course, hallowed be thy name is the second sentence of the Lord's Prayer. So these things um, remind us that the honour of Christ's name, of God's name, should be our central concern in prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your name be hallowed. Hallowed's a strange word. When I was in General Synod, many years ago, we revised the alternative services and they tried to find other words to, to, that were more meaningful to Hallow. The, the one I thought was best was honoured. May your name be honoured. But it, it's a much stronger word than honour. You know, you honour the um, people who um, win the Tour de France and things like that. Um, it, it does mean kept holy, sacred, set apart, held in awe and reverence. And this is the name above every name, as Paul wrote to the Philippians from probably 62 AD in Rome. The name before which every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus, who in the very, was in the very nature of God and was made in human likeness. So John tells us that whatever we ask, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So this praying then in the name of Christ isn't a sort of a little phrase we just tack on to the end of our prayer as a little ritual that says, oh, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Uh, we're, we're saying something very profound and important there that it is the central recognition of our prayers, that it is the honour of Jesus' name and the pursuit of his will and purposes which is central to what we are praying about. So Paul uh, puts it like this, that we don't know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit is. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, uh, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now this idea of the Spirit interceding, someone wrote a book called um, The Go-Between God to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, the former Bishop of Winchester. And um, th this idea of interceding, if you've got somebody interceding, you, you, there's Nick and I are at odds, you know, and David comes to try and sort us out, and he listens to what Nick's saying, and he comes and tells me, I said, that's rubbish, for heaven's sake. I, you know, you completely misunderstood. And you go back and you intercede. There's this sort of activity going on with the Spirit, taking our hopes and our fears and our concerns and bringing them to God and his purposes and helping us then to see and understand his purposes, alerting our conscience, deepening our awareness. He's an interceding spirit. 
uh, as we try to work out what God's purposes are all about. So God doesn't promise to answer all our prayers. Only those that bring honour to his name, that usher in his kingdom, that fulfil his will and purposes for us. So the fundamentals of prayer are what are God's purposes and how do we bring honour to his name? Any thoughts or reflections you want to make at this point? And then I'm going to hand over to Peter shortly who takes some of these ideas further. Does that sound? Prayer is partly holding myself in the presence of God to be quiet enough to fight all the sort of stuff that goes on around our heads all day, to be able to hear what he's saying, to be available. Um, so before you can start thinking about what you want me to do today, to that quietness tuning in to the Lord as presence. I think it highlights too the importance of daily scripture reading as we to to, to understand the mind of God and be constantly reminded of of what his word is. But all valued maybe. Thank you. All right, Peter, do you want to carry on? So I think sometimes the teaching that we can pick up here and there on prayer through the half-remembered sermon and the occasional worship song and so on can get an overemphasis on those sort of pray in my name and I will answer everything. Uh, we had a song earlier today, the 915 uh, service, that picked up on uh, the idea of God moving mountains, uh, which you may have heard, and which is, of course, is, is taking a, an incident where Jesus had just taken the disciples around the, the temple complex and is talking with them uh, and uh, says to them, uh, if you, uh, you know, have faith and you, you, you say to this mountain, go and, you know, jump in the sea, go and move, uh, then the Father will, will do it. And in context, you know, this mountain, it doesn't say mountains, this mountain is talking about the temple mount, that the, 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 the temple and the Jewish establishment of the old covenant will not uh, win the day against the church and the, and the new covenant uh, and the new temple of Christ's body uh, and you know, prosperity teachers and so on take that out of context and say uh, you know, so there you are, God is saying uh, mountains plural's not there in the original in your life mountains represent problems in your life God is saying if you have enough faith and you say to the problems in your life, you know, in Christ's name I say to the problems in my life be gone uh, then God will answer all of your prayers. He promises it in the, in the scriptures. And if it's not answering your prayers, then that must be your fault because you're not having enough faith. 
and you see, you see the, the very dangerous to your faith line that a sort of uh, out of context reading of the promises that people like to quote about prayer uh, sometimes can lead us to. So I thought I'd want to put things in a bit of a broader context uh, biblically, but I thought I'd start with a, with a, with a fable uh, from the Talmud, uh, from the Jewish Talmud, uh, uh, retold here by the Jewish theologian Pinchas Lapid. So the Talmud reports two rabbis, Rabbi Rabba and Rabbi Sarah. At one time they got so drunk in honour of the Purim Festival of Joy, that was uh, one crazy night out, uh, that uh, Rabba unintentionally killed his teaching colleague. <sighs> as soon as he becomes sober the next morning, he asked devoutly for God's forgiveness. And Rabbi Sarah awoke to life again. A miracle! When a year later, he invited Rabbi Sarah again to celebrate Purim, the latter declined with the words, a miracle doesn't happen every time. A great uh, Jewish joke with a point. Um, but yes, we believe in a God of miracles who does sometimes work miracles and does sometimes work miracles in answer to prayer. But we know from experience that he does not always answer our prayers miraculously, at least in the way that we want. And that seems to sharpen uh, a problem of evil and suffering and how do, we, how do we cope with that biblically? How do we put that into context biblically? Well, I would say start thinking from Jesus' unanswered prayer. Or is this an unanswered prayer? I think the answer to this, typical of a philosopher, is, well, yes and no. It depends on what you mean by, <laughs> is this prayer unanswered? Because Jesus prays, Father, if you are willing, in your name, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So is Jesus' prayer that the cup be taken from him answered? Well, not in the way that he asked for it to be answered. I, he asked for it to be taken away. It wasn't taken away. God says uh, his answer to the prayer is, is no, in that sense, to Jesus. But is Jesus' prayer answered, and is it indeed answered positively? Well, yes, because Jesus said, but not my will, but yours. I want to do what you want me to do, ultimately. I want to conform my will to yours. Back to the Old Testament, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, after the confrontation with the prophets of, of Baal and so on, gets depressed. He runs away. He, he sits down under a, under a bush and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. God, does God answer his prayer? Well, he doesn't take his life. He gives him some food. Basically, he says, here, take some food, buck up, it'll be all right. <laughs> Paul's unanswered prayer about the thorn in the flesh from 2 Corinthians uh, that tormented him three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Paul was obviously thinking, I've got this, this problem, whatever it was, we don't quite know. Uh, obviously, it's the Lord's will to get rid of this. This is getting in the, in the way of me doing all the missionary work that I want to do. It's a problem. Uh, some people think it was a problem with his, with his eyesight, possibly. Um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God says, no, I'm not going to take away this thorn in the flesh. I want you to deal with this in a different way, in a different attitude. Um, 
But yes, there's a sense in which God meets him in this process of praying and does engage with him and does answer his prayer, but not in the way that Paul obviously initially wanted. Indeed, in Colossians 1, 9-11, we have a prayer to suffer, in a sense. We do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Our Father, your will be done. And in wisdom and spiritual understanding of God's will for your situation, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. So don't pray, I'm suffering, God, please take this suffering away. Which is, of course, our natural <laughs> instinct in most cases. But here we have, pray, dear God, these people are suffering, we're suffering with them, please help us to suffer well for your name in this situation. And that attitude, you see, hammered home again and again because we need that hammering home again and again because of course our natural instinct is please God just take away this suffering and yet we have teachings like Romans 5 we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and so on God is moulding us through uh, this process of suffering or James 1, 2 uh, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. Of course, not, nothing but, oh, happiness, great, I'm suffering, whoopee, you know. But the sort of joy that means I, am, I have joy in my unhappiness. I have the joy that I know that Christ is with me. I have the joy that I know my fundamental needs are met in God. Uh, I have uh, the joy that says with Paul, I do not consider our light and temporary sufferings light and momentary sufferings. This is the guy who was like flogged, flayed, shipwrecked, stoned, imprisoned. Our light and momentary sufferings are not worth comparing in the balance to the glory that will be revealed. Of course our problem is that our sufferings are right here with us here and now and the glory that will be revealed is kind of, it's over there somewhere. And we have hints and foretastes and down payments on it but it's all so easy to miss, you know, for the tree to be here and for us to miss the, the, the landscape. Uh, and that's why the Bible's hammering home again and again, the bigger picture, the landscape, the, the, the God will be with you in your suffering and will bring goodness out of it as much as is possible and it will be worth it in the end. But clearly the teaching is not just well, I'm your loving father, so come to me, pray, in the name of Christ, I want this solved, and everything will be a bed of roses. Because if that was the teaching, which is the teaching that you know, the prosperity gospel teaches and so on, quote mine out of the scriptures, there wouldn't be scriptures like this, because you wouldn't need them. James wouldn't say that. Paul wouldn't say perseverance, etc. They would just say, have more faith and pray more. <laughs> Living the good life is not easy in biblical terms. Yes, God does sometimes act against evil and suffering, but he did so decisively by suffering himself on the cross for us. Um, in the here and now, we aren't promised that everything will be solved. We're not in the promised new heavens and new earth yet. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me says Christ. Rejoice and be glad. 
Not that you are being persecuted and false things are being said about you, but that because it's because of the name of Christ that you get to suffer alongside him for the same cause. That you have the honour of suffering for the cause of Christ. The honour of suffering for the same cause of the, you know, the prophets was persecuted the same way before you. It's always been this way, says Jesus. It's always going to be this way until the day of the Lord. So, you know, don't expect it to just be different for you. I might, I might occasionally send an earthquake to set you free from jail. <laughs> you know, it, it happens. It does happen. But Paul was executed by the emperor for preaching the gospel. He didn't get an earthquake. He didn't get his thorn from the flesh removed. Um, Elijah didn't get to die. He had to keep living for God uh, in difficult circumstances with God's encouragement. So I think that you know, broader biblical picture uh, puts some of the sort of out of context little things we remember about prayers and, and mountains and having enough faith uh, into a better context for us. how you interpret what Jesus means by, by his followers being one so being one in as much they, as the, the communion of the saints that we talk about in, in, in the creed that we are one in him because we're all his disciples even though we have disagreements and different denominations and different theological takes on secondary and tertiary matters and so on uh, you, might st- you might say that, that that prayer is answered uh, at the at the level of oneness that Jesus is is talking about, I think the other thing to say is, as you say, sometimes you, you point to these examples of you can, and we can see why God is saying no or not yet or deal with it differently than that the prayer has prayed for. Um, but to point out that it, it wouldn't be too surprising if there were circumstances in which we we didn't or couldn't see. The, the why um, whether or not we expect to uh, see a solution to a puzzle defend, depends very much upon what the puzzle is um, sometimes uh, philosophers talking about the problem of evil uh, use the, an illustration like um, you know, if, if I say you know, is, is there an elephant in the fridge 
and I opened the fridge, and it would be a pretty darn big fridge. Uh, <laughs> and I look in there, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't see an elephant. Is that good evidence that there isn't one in there? Well, yes. <laughs> not seeing an elephant in the fridge is pretty good elef- evidence that there's no elephant in there, not even hiding upside down in the, you know, <laughs> in the, uh, the custard with yellow feet, painted feet, whatever the joke goes. Um, but if I, if I say, well, I, I don't see any bacteria in the fridge, is that good evidence that there aren't any? Well, no, because even if there were bacteria, I wouldn't really expect to be able to notice them just by looking. Um, so if God has a reason for allowing some evil or suffering to occur, how likely is it that I should expect to be able to notice what it is? Especially given the, the, the difference in sort of mental capacity between me and God, <laughs> as it were. It's like perhaps it's, it's you know, uh, sometimes we can see, but it, it's not too disconcerting that there are occasions where God does stuff and we, we think, why the heck is he doing that? I can't see a good reason. Well, that's not particularly good evidence that God doesn't have a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, I think, I think so. I think the thing you need to do, to do both, and, and, and I think the, the rationalising, not in a pejorative sense, uh, is part of uh, wrestling intellectually with the issue, but you need to do that in order to, to have the, the spiritual gumption to actually wrestle practically with it. Because having the intellectual problem nagging at you can sort of sap... Your, your, your willingness, your availability to God to actually go on wrestling with it, to put the spiritual energy and effort into continuing to pray about something that God doesn't seem to solve for you or that you don't see what possible good it, it, it could be or what have you. And, and to, to actually come before God with that sense of okay, this is about your name and not necessarily what I want, so maybe you're going to, in that interceding with the Spirit, with God, maybe you're going to change my mind about how I'm dealing with this or how it should be approached or solved. Um, Nothing wrong with coming to God and saying, you know, my friend's got whatever problem, health issue or family problem, whatever, I bring them before you, what should I be praying about this? So, you know, clearly they need a job. God, can you give them a job? Um, but if God answers that basically by saying, well, I'm not just going to give him a job, or, well, not yet, then how do you keep wrestling with it? How do you keep wrestling and, and not get to the stage of, of, getting, of sort of saying to God, God, I've prayed to you about this, and I said in Jesus' name, and you're not answering the way I want. So you're not doing your job. You're very disappointing, God. Which is, a, which is a very dangerous place to get into. And I think wrestling with the intellectual problems can stop us getting into treating God like the cosmic slot machine and approaching him in, in the right kind of frame of, of mind to wrestle with it, yeah. 
one of the, I guess, one of the informing ideas of my spiritual life is the interpretation of the word Israel as opposed to Jacob. Mm. Jacob means one who grasps or grabs. Israel means one who wrestles yeah. with God. Yeah. Not the problem, God. And prevails. And we are the spiritual Israel. And um, I guess this question about wrestling with God as opposed to wrestling with the prayer is what intrigues me about this subject. Mm. Is it, you know, it's the, it's the Lord wrote you by me and I say these bends. Yes, I know that song. Yeah. As opposed to, Lord, where are you in this? Yes. How can I yeah. prevail with you in this? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that I mean, that, that we are where we are when we, ha we come to God with these problems. So you've got to be honest about it and, and say, here's where I am and here's what I want. Nothing wrong with that. But it's then the wrestling of being open to, to God shaping. Well, maybe I'm not asking for the right thing. Maybe I sh am being the answer to this prayer here. Maybe God is saying, not yet, but my grace can be sufficient for you in this situation. Well, how do I avail myself of that? What do I, what do, I do, God? You know, what do I need? Maybe I need to give them a hot meal, like you gave Elijah, rather than praying for them. What, you know, what is it? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep with you in this. Um, yeah, that God is with us and, you know, in our long-suffering that you will have the power and the, and the wisdom of God in your long-suffering to, to, to cope with it. Uh, not that, you know, Paul doesn't say, and I pray that you will have enough faith so that when you pray, God will get rid of your suffering for you. Sometimes he does. But, <laughs> you know, the, the overall emphasis seems to me much more, yeah, that how do we keep holding God's hand through the difficult times in light of what he's already given us in Christ. That emphasis on what we already have in access to the throne and an eternal destiny and salvation um, and not making our day-by-day uh, -day evaluation and, and, and trust and joy and happiness in God depend upon him giving us the boosting bonus extras does anyone else have any comments about wrestling? Uh, I haven't got such um, obvious detailed way of explaining. But I've been thinking uh, before these questions about persevering in prayer and things like that wrong. And for myself, um, the balance between entrusting things to God but still mm. persevering and somehow the peace that can come despite mm. maybe the pain of the things still going on down the years. But it's just. Mm. That sort of mystery of the journey that isn't so painful in a way. Um, maybe that's wrong. I'm not sort of um, persevering hard enough because I think perhaps I've, I've um, changed from my beginning of my Christian journey where you know you only get two or three together and pray yeah. in His name and you know you, I thought I had God in the box a bit more, but now yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure. But I'm not unhappy about that. I think, but it's very yeah. interesting to listen to some questions and. 
Thank you. I mean, time again, we, we get these examples from, from you know, Abraham bartering with God over you know, Sodom and Gomorrah or, or Job wrestling for paragraph after paragraph of poetry with the problem of suffering or the psalmist saying, you know, I'm, I'm crying to my pillow all night, God. Why aren't you answering me? So they, they bring where they are to God and their lack of answers about things but they, they, and they bring that to God in, in, in a worshipful spirit. Um, and of course then often that leads on to, you know, and hope comes in the morning and God will be with me, there will be an ultimate answer. But, but often there is just a wrestling and, and, and an acknowledgement and a saying, you don't let that, you know, oh, I've got a problem, therefore, you know, God doesn't love me or, you know, or God's not sort of living up to the contract <laughs> kind of approach. More, I, I've got a problem, and, and this is an opportunity to to continue wrestling in this with God, to approach wrestling with issues in, in a godly way. How how do I do that? Um, I think that's much more where the, the Bible sort of steers uh, our attention. Yeah. Strange how that's through Jacob wrestling with the angel. And at the end of the day, I don't quite know what he wanted, but what he did get was yeah. a new name. Yeah. So, so God worked in Jacob to give him a new character. And this is right. what he worked out through this struggle. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something in Peter in those examples, too, where they didn't, uh, they didn't conclude, therefore, it's not worth praying. So they no. didn't stop. It didn't become a fatalism or case of Ron Straub or just uh, yeah. God's going to do what he does. And so, so there's something in that about persevering in that sense with, with a sense that it's appropriate to continue. Yeah, yeah. As, and, and as you say, sometimes it's a very difficult balance to know have we got to that stage in wrestling with this issue where, like Paul, we have to recognize God is saying no. I'm not going to answer that prayer in this way. No, stop, stop praying. I'm not going to say yes to this. Deal with it in a different way. But then balancing that with the, the encouragement to you know, keep on praying. But keep on praying, not necessarily you know, in the same way, without listening, without wrestling, without listening to the interceding spirit, without allowing the, the process of praying to shape us and how we're dealing with the situation. 
just as much as we, you know, hope and sometimes it does shape what God does because we ask. If you don't ask, you can't get. But what you might get from God is what he wants rather than what you wanted initially. <laughs> yeah. Well, can, change, can change your prayer from asking for something to be sold, so he's giving peace to it. Right, that's right, yeah. And it's, you know, being open to that and, 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 and knowing when to make that shift. Mm-hmm. Obviously, can, it can be difficult in the particular circumstance, but, but at least knowing theologically, yeah, that, this is what prayer can be. I should start where I am, I should ask God for stuff, he encourages me to do that, but maybe in that process he's, he's going to change my approach or what we're doing here or how we're dealing with it. Change ourselves. Change ourselves. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is going to be about one of those occasions where God's going to teach me more patience or long-sufferingness or whatever. Amen. Oh, thank you for doing that.